If you're a pastor, elder, deacon, nonprofit board member, or business owner, I need you to listen to this. K&K Furnishings needs to be on your shortlist. K&K Furnishings are committed to helping you find the right furnishings for your church or organization. These guys specialize in quality worship seating, welcome centers, cafes, nurseries, classrooms, as well as stage and podium furnishings. The two owners have over 70 years of combined pastoral experience, so not only will every transaction be handled with integrity and professionalism, but they have the experience to provide you with the perfect solutions for your furniture needs, and they absolutely understand your budget constraints and demands. K&K Furnishings are devoted to providing you quality pieces that save you money. They can do this because they don't have the overhead of a brick and mortar store and they have relationships with over 200 manufacturers nationwide. Look, we all know there's a lot of junk out there. K&K understands that many times bargains aren't true money savers. They end up costing you more in the long run. At K&K, they believe that quality furnishings don't have to be outrageously expensive. And here's the best part. K&K Furnishings sells nationally and can also provide in-person consultations in Michigan, Ohio, and Indiana. If you can't meet in person, they'd be happy to set up a Zoom consultation for you today. So whatever your next project is, whether it's your home office or your church sanctuary, K&K Furnishings is the only place you need to look. Go to www.kkfurnishings.com to see how they can help you or call 567-318-4520. That's www.kkfurnishings.com or call 567-318-4520 or click on the link in the description of this episode. K&K Furnishings, furnishing business, education, worship, and hospitality for the glory of God. Hey guys, before we get into this week's episode, I got to tell you about Jacob's Supply. Jacob's Supply is the place you got to go for all of your material needs. These guys bring you construction supplies and appliances for up to 50% off retail price, all brand new. Your home builder needs some lumber? Jacob's Supply has you covered. You a deacon at your church and you're in charge of that next Narthex floor job? Jacob's Supply has got you. Heck, they got Cortec Luxury Vinyl Plank right now for $3.59 a square foot. Go look that stuff up at Lowe's or Home Depot, man. That stuff is selling for $7 to $8 a square Square foot. That's over 50% off retail. Even if you just have some home projects you're working on, Jacob Supply is the place for you. I just built an outdoor grilling area this spring for that old smoker and grill. Guess where I got the metal roof, lumber, and screws? Yeah, that's right, Jacob Supply. Looking for a fridge, stove, washer, dryer? They got them all, and their name brand. Samsung, Bosch, Frigidaire, all 20, 30, 40% off retail. Brand new and ready for you. Located in Temperance, Michigan, it's worth it to stop by even if you're a few hours away. And remember, Jacob Supply can ship products nationally too. So even if you're out of state, you gotta check them out. Follow them on Facebook at Jacob Supply or call them direct at 734-224-0978. That's 734-224-0978. 0978. Remember, Jacob Supply, quality building materials at wholesale prices. And now, on to the show. Exploring theology, doctrine, and all of the fascinating subjects in between, broadcasting from an undisclosed location, Dead Men Walking starts now. Well, hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Men Walking. I'm Greg, thanks coming along for the ride. We appreciate it. We appreciate you going to dmwpodcast.com, checking us out there, learn a little more about us. You can uh, purchase some merch, too, and support the show. We appreciate that. But first and foremost, let's get into a little business here. This show is brought to you by Jacob Supply, right here locally in Temperance, Michigan. I love this brother. Um, what a great guy. Quality building products at wholesale pricing. What he does is he takes the big buyouts. He passes that savings on to you. Has anything from metal roofs and decking and uh, appliances. Uh, even if you're listening in Ohio or Indiana, you're a few hours away. It's worth the drive. Come up and see him or visit him at jacobsupply.com. 
Also, we're brought to you by Reformed Sage. Uh, Nick, we met him at a Fight Laugh Feast conference a few years ago. What a great guy. Has all kinds of cool, snarky t-shirts, coasters, bookmarks, anything you could possibly want. And he also owns ReformedRoasters.com. So if you have a coffee itch, make sure you go check him out as well. Cool. Now that we got the business out of the way, we have a special guest here in studio. He is a state representative here in the great state of Michigan. He's a friend of mine, Mr. T.C. Clemens. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Now, should we give you here? Let's try that again. Ready? Uh, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Oh, look at that. The, the studio audience goes wild. Our fake listeners love you. It's amazing. They look a lot louder for how many are sitting there. <laughs> for how many are sitting there, yeah. right? So, yeah, you're currently a state representative. Uh, we wanted to bring you in. We've got primaries coming up in Michigan. Actually, primaries coming up across uh, the United States. We're in a crazy primary season right now, even nationwide, but especially in Michigan. Uh, why don't you give the listeners a little bio, maybe a couple minutes on who you are, where you come from, and what you're all about. Cool. Um, not a native Michigander. Born and raised Floridian. My wife uh, was born and raised about three miles from where we live. And when it came time for us to have kids, we wanted them to grow up with the aunt, uncle, you know, 30, 40 people together at, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, summer parties. And so we had been coming here about once a month, almost every year that we were married, to the point that when I would say home, it would confuse Jamie because she would say, like, do you mean Florida home or are we talking about right. Bedford? Right. And I said, listen, I, I said, I love this place. And, and I think I have a unique perspective in that because I wasn't raised here, I know how incredibly amazing Southeast Michigan is. And my kids are here and I want them to continue to be here. So I'm driven that way. Um, most of the time, I don't talk so much about my political agenda. It's more who I am, because I think people are over hearing roads, taxes, right? Like right. every politician says that. Yeah. Um, I think what I adopted is I commit, I try to live my life as best I can, you know, with my faith in front of me. And I'm a sinner and I mess up a bunch. But I've, I've really have the philosophy that anything I do well is Christ in me. Mm. Everything I screw up, well, that's TC. <laughs> and, and if you really own that... Yeah. You don't need the victory laps and yeah. because they're not yours to take. If anything, it gives you an opportunity to talk about your faith and to talk about why and how you feel about things. Um, you do have to own the mess ups yep, and absolutely. that's no fun. But I think that's part, of, that's part of the grace of our salvation is being able to look at somebody and say, hey, either I'm sorry, I messed up. It'll never happen again. And having the character and the integrity to ensure it never happens again. Um, that's kind of who I am. I always tell people I have three titles that matter to me. I'm a Christian, I'm a husband going on 19 years, and I'm a father of three. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been very blessed to be around great teams my whole life, and I, I kind of outran my kit coverage a long time ago. <laughs> um, but I just, because I don't hold on to titles, I feel like I'm more freed up to do work. Um, when I've been in Lansing the last two years, I'm not focused on my reelection. I'm not focused on the fact that when I move through the halls, people call me Representative Clements. I don't care about any of that. What I care about is working on behalf of my neighbors. Yeah. And because of that, I think it keeps you a little bit more focused, old school, founding fathers, go do the work of the people, come home. Yeah. Don't get comfortable living there. That, that's a facade. That's the fake world. Home is, you know, on Sunday when I'm still ironing all my shirts for the week and I'm making dinner and I'm helping vacuum the floors. Like, that's real world. Yeah. And I think it's important that anybody that's in leadership stays grounded for real world. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So you have, uh, you, you know, you have kind of a storied past. You were a deputy police chief, correct? Yes. So, the- so police officer, police and officer. deputy chief of police is number two. So that's, that's the position okay. I rose to. And yeah. then exited law enforcement and, before making chief. And then you also owned your own business and currently still do own your own business. A few businesses, yep, right? Yep. We've, so we've entrepreneur. started five, sold four successfully, have a fifth one that we've owned since 13. 
So, and now politician. So how, how do you make that transition from police officer, entrepreneur, politician? What, why politics? So back when I became a police officer, first year I made $19,200. You have to have a side hustle. So I learned how to tie. <laughs> right. And then you learned X and then you learned Y. And once you got a little bit of money together, we bought a house to flip. And so I learned a lot of these skills and then realized that it was a way to make a secondary income and, and provide for savings in my family. Um, I've owned a graphic design firm um, and I've owned a solar technology firm. And, and again, just great opportunities, meeting wonderful people, building things. I really enjoy that. Um, and then I also have enjoyed stepping aside and letting other people carry on with it. To me, the, the central point for public service is just that. When I was a police officer, I, I am passionate about the concept that you are an ambassador first mm. and an enforcer second. Yeah. And if you see it any other way, I think you are dramatically confused as to what real law enforcement is supposed to be about. You are a public servant. The public mm. does pay your salary. Sure. Um, and, in, and I used to teach when I trained officers that, look, any monkey can be taught how to put on a pair of handcuffs. Right. right? Yeah. But talking to someone and changing their, their vantage point and their perspective, that is the skill. Yeah, uh, And so I think because I've seen and, and believe in this ambassadorship, um, loved law enforcement. And so when I ran for trustee here locally, okay. it, w- it was, again, a part of that. For me, I saw people running that I felt like were anti-personal property rights. And that's a real hot button issue for me. Okay, uh, And so I ran. I wanted to be sure that there was a voice to kind of back some of that off yeah. and to be sure that people still were maintaining their rights. Really enjoyed it. Um, was asked to consider the state rep run. Did it. Um, have thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. But I realized there was an opportunity in the Senate to do a couple of things that you can't do from the House. And as much as I appreciate some of our current electeds, I think there's a lot more that we can be doing. I think fundamentally one of the biggest things missing in Lansing is people really aren't willing to put skin in the game. Yeah. Because again, they're clutching onto that title. They need that reelection. Sure. It's the paycheck. It's the perks, right? Well, if the paychecks and the perks aren't first in your world and your neighbors are, you're freed up to do a lot. Yeah. And and so far this past year, we've gotten a lot of things done. Most of them are blowing up legislation that should have never gotten anywhere. Yeah. Um, and so I'm not the guy that goes to Lansing and passes a ton of legislation. Um, in 21, we had 30 pieces. So uh, I think 15 were mine that I actually sponsored. The rest were co-sponsorships. You know, President Biden, we think you need to, you know, enforce the border. Um, sure. We, we want to get rid of mask mandates or forced <laughs> vaccines, those kind of things. Those are co-sponsorships. Yeah. So 30 total. Um, My opponent has 219. I think there's a vast difference there between the role of government, small government, small business, get out of the way, let people live their lives, or a little bit more broad-centric government control. And so I wanted to make sure that for my children, for other people, that this concept of government being we the people. Yeah, and yeah. not the leaders get to do whatever they want. They get to make rules. They get to you know step on our civil liberties at will. Yeah. That's unacceptable to me. Yeah. And it's just gone so far that I was raised that in life, you either do something about it or you shut up. Right. And so people thought I was crazy. They're like, look, you got elected to the house. You, you won by a huge margin. You probably won't even have to put up signs. You just you automatically <laughs> right. get reelected. Yeah. And I looked at him. I said, that's the fundamental problem yeah. is that's the way you think. Yeah. You know, um, we declared for Senate on November 6th. Before the district lines were known, um, before anything was known. Yeah. But I think that's what leadership looks like. Leadership is saying, I'm willing to personally sacrifice and I'm going to give it my all because I think that the voice for my neighbors is ultra important. Yeah. And so we were willing to take the risk. We did it. We spent a lot of time in prayer, thought, you know, consulting with people and we've done it. And so far, I think we're sitting in good shape. And and here you are. You know, you mentioned something there that I've always thought was a a little funny when you have 
uh, conservative, mostly I'd say conservative because mostly those guys are limited government guys and they come back and they tell you about all the bills they passed and you went, I, you know, as a conservative, I'd be totally happy with you just, just stopping Stop. unnecessarily bills or not doing any, not really doing anything, maybe one or two, or like you said, 15 out of, you know, 300 or whatever. It's always funny how you brag about, I created new government. Look at me. And well, most of your base is going, well, we don't really want, we got a lot of laws on the books. Well, Let's like everything those. else, our, our guidelines as to what we consider a successful legislator is just broken. Yeah. You know, a good legislator goes out and says, hey, we want to reduce the scope of government. We want to be sure that our taxes are minimal. You know, yeah. I, I think you and I would agree that the further dollars are spent away from people, yeah. the, the worse they're spent. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. So my job, D.C. should push money to the state. State should push it to the county and county to the township and villages. Yeah. But so many people want to go and either have bills which require a lot of maintenance and expense or force mandates on counties and townships. And to me, that's completely backwards. Yeah. You know, I, I've always I have said jokingly, if you really want to watch how Lansing should work, tell every legislator they get $1,000 for every bill they take off the books. <laughs> and there will be a race to get rid of thousands right. of bills, yeah. right? Yeah, you get, a, you get a campaign donation for every, <laughs> for every bill you remove. That's funny. Uh, so what is your... Uh, what is your overarching view of government for the listeners? What, what's your philosophy when it comes to government? I know it, we probably got some hints there in your answers, so, but pure constitutionalist. Yeah. Um, very small government. Um, government is dabbling in a thousand things that it has no place in being in. One I like to use is schools. So let's talk about schools for a minute. Okay. We are asking teachers to do everything that a human could possibly do, least of which is teach. Most right. teachers went to college to teach because they love arithmetic or science or math, not because they want to be, you know, guidance counselors right. or babysitters. You know, or, 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 a babysitter, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But because government has stepped in, government has tried to create this arbitrary parity. It's just gotten so messed up to the point that all at best, all we do is put band-aids on it. Yeah. Right. And then you, I think if we talked long enough, we could come up with hundreds of those examples. Examples. Government is fundamentally broken. Yeah. And sooner or later, people are going to have to be willing to step up and say, this is not okay. Yeah. And I'm willing to say it's not okay. And I'll take the arrows and I'll take the darts and whatever you want to throw at me. But at least I can lay my head down at the end of the night and say, I did what I felt like was supposed to be done and that government to do everything I can so that government's retracted. You yeah. know, bureaucracy is bloated. Um, I, I, we were just at the Monroe County um, Republican Party meeting last night, and there were legislators bragging about, we passed this budget, it's the biggest it's ever been, and I'm just cringing. Right. Well, are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, the only reason why we should be happy about this budget is that there was a $2.6 billion debt reduction. Yeah. Biggest in the state. We think it's the biggest in the nation. And it's largely the only reason why I voted for the budget. Yeah. Because there is still so much arbitrary and unnecessary spending going on. Yeah. And people are just blindly going along with it. And we yeah. have to be, get people who are willing to say no. Enough. It's tough, too, because the system is set up that way, though, too. Well, it wouldn't it be nice if you could break up the budget into parts, but it's like you have to vote all or nothing. Same thing at the federal level where they bundle, uh, you know, bills together and it's a, it's a great idea. And then it's a, you know, a horrible idea and they put them together and you're damned if you do damned, if you don't kind of thing. Exactly. Uh, so what kind of stuff have you done in the house that you're, uh, that you're proud of? Um, well, I'm probably most proud of bills that you haven't seen. We have fought back successfully bail reform. Um, there is a large number of both Republicans and Democrats pushing for significant bail reform in our state. 
Okay. There was a Republican legislator who wanted to basically adopt uh, what's called productivity credits, which would do away with truth and sentencing in Michigan. Um, Wait, how does that work? So so truth and sentencing basically says if you get sentenced to 10 years, you do 10 years. Right. Okay. We don't have a a behavior or you don't get time off because you brush your teeth successfully three days in a row. Okay. States that I'm familiar with that do have it, a year translates to about four months. So now imagine somebody gets a five-year sentence. Well, you know, they're, they're doing just over a year. Sure. And this whole thing was, was sold. This is a great idea because we're going to convince inmates to go get their GED. 97% of inmates in the Department of Corrections already get their GED. Right. So this was just a, a way to try to soften, you know, our, our criminal justice system. I was opposed to that. We fought back critical race theory aggressively. We fought back that. One yeah. of the bills that I was personally proud of is... All the federal dollars, which I was adamantly opposed to, I think it is ridiculous that we ever did it, but it would have been malfeasance for me to have let that money go to another state. I mean, once it comes to Michigan, we have to spend it, you know, on behalf of our residents. We came up with a $368 million bill package to try to help emergency services. We are at critical mass when it comes to law enforcement, fire, rescue in this state. You know, if you think about it, your home prices don't go up. Schools typically don't improve. And economic de- development does not happen in a community that's not safe and secure. Right. It literally is the backbone of, of most communities. And right now, police are terrified to take action. Uh, pensions are down. Benefits are down. Wages are down. The, the entire employment pool is, is terrible. We're, we're 1,200 paramedics short in this state right now. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. It's huge. Yeah. And so this bill did a number of things, everything from recruitment, retention. We wanted to go after um, students and people who want to enter these fields who might not otherwise have the opportunity because of economic constraints. Yeah. So we wanted to broaden the pool of applicants. Uh, we wanted to help with some equipment. Uh, we wanted to encourage training and, and different things like that. So I was very proud of that. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, it went to the Senate and it got sat on because our mm. Senate would rather uh, want to talk de-escalation. And another reason why I wanted to move from the House to the Senate, because I feel like there is we're losing one of the, the only conservative voices that we have in our Senate and Tom Barrett. Yeah. yeah, he's running for Congress. Congress yeah. And um, and and so by losing him, we, we don't have that anchor yeah. of conservatism there. And we, we've got to have one. And yeah. so, you know, I'm willing to stand up and take that shot. It is kind of maybe explain this to me. Give us a little inside baseball, because I do feel that sometimes when in the House at the state level, you can usually find a handful of. Uh, let's just say conservatives. Let's let's go with that. I would say most of the listeners here are, are on the right side, right? Are conservative. And you can usually find a handful, maybe six or seven or eight. You get to the Senate, and I feel like there's even less, even percentage-wise, obviously there's less members. Um, what's the two differences in the House there? Do, do, do you go, because there's a lot of House members that then become you know, senators, and they kind of lose their way a little bit. And they just kind of play ball and shift towards the middle and maybe lose some of that philosophy you're talking about. What do you think that's about? I, or, or am I mistaken? I don't no, know. No, you're, you, you're spot on. And, and I think your acumen is really good there. I think if you, if you see it this way, as Republicans, we have always convinced ourselves that to win, we have to play to the middle. Mm, and yeah. by playing to the middle, you end up with a lot of the middle, which are classified as Republicans in Lansing. And I'm not you know, going to go off on a middle train versus conservative. When I say the word conservative, I really do talk in terms of people more than the values. Yeah. Know, are we, in fact, representing our neighbors or are we doing things that are arbitrary and contrary to the Constitution and to yeah. our state? Um, so I think what happens is when this funnel happens and you have people playing to the middle, playing to the middle, rising to different levels of, of leadership, playing to the middle – the obvious outcome, because most people go from House to Senate, yeah. is you end up with a lot of middle. 
Right. Um, and, and I think that's what's happening. I think that we're at a point in our nation's history, and I'm super excited about this, because I think there are a number of people who are willing to step up and say, no more middle. Yeah. You know, I, one of my biggest frustrations as a Republican has been every time we get control of yeah. the House, Senate, and the White, we, then the first the word you hear is, well, we really shouldn't run that bill because, you know, we do have to get reelected in two years. Right. When, in fact, yeah. the people elected you to go do a job. Go do they that. put yeah. their confidence in you. Just go do the job. And, yeah. and so many people are paralyzed by that. And so I'm hoping that we're at a point in time where people are starting to wake up and realize, you know, we talk about this woke culture on the left. Sure. I think there is an awakening happening on the right, and it's exciting to me. Yeah. Because I'm starting to see a lot of people wanting to talk in terms of smaller government, letting yeah. churches ma- maintain that lane. I like think we got we a wake-up call with COVID with that. We did. When a government can snap their finger, shut down your business, shut down your synagogue, shut down your church, and they go, oh, wait a minute. Do, do I own my business if I can't open it? Now, look, we all, you know, we learned a lot through that in the very beginning months. My, my wife and I were the same way. Okay, let's pump the brakes here. Maybe we don't go anywhere. Let's look at, you know, look, look at uh, what's coming out with the reports and the science. But then to drag it on, especially in Michigan, I get calls from other people in other states and other countries. We get comments and we go, we, we were watching Michigan during that, Michigan and California. That's really bad when we're grouped in with California with... Right, right. <laughs> you know, and, and I don't think anybody can even argue at yeah. this point in time, based on the knowledge that we have, that the that it was good decisions. Sure. And I'm not making excuses because I was not in the legislature. You know, I, yeah. I, I came in after that. But what it also taught us is that there are a number of positions within government and a lot of legislation that people thought was, you know, it's not really important legislation. Yes, it wasn't this critical is a, this legislation. Is a good point. I know where you go. Let go through, and all of a sudden, in a time of crisis, it pops up. And they have power. Yes. They have the right to. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah. so one of the things that we've been very aggressive in the last year is identifying all of that, that, that web yep. and undoing it as much as we can, given it's, that we have a governor who largely doesn't want to sign anything that we come up with. It's tough, though. It's 60 years of layering. It is. It, it's, just, it's you know tough. what I mean? It's like, how do you do that? Right. And I told somebody the other day, they got very dejected. And I said, look, even if the governor won't sign this, we have left a roadmap for the first Republican governor and, and Senate and House that's here. They could pass it within a week. Right. And we could literally call this stuff done and, and I think get rid of just a ton of legislation that's hurting people. Now, to go back to when you're saying uh, kind of standing on principle and, and you wanting to be the conservative voice in the Senate, I, I've, I've seen when I've talked to people, uh, elected officials and even people running, I seem to find that if you stand on principle, uh, w- whether you're more right or more left, okay, because there's some principle, we might not agree with their principles, but there's some principled people on the left. They seem to, now it's a harder road. You're going to get less funding. You're going to have some people yelling in your face and trying to cancel you online and all that. But they have the most loyal following because people identify with someone who has integrity and just goes, nope, this is what it's going to be. This is what I told you I believe, and that's how I vote. Instead of, like you said, kind of pandering to the middle. Now, the middle might be a little bit easier. Maybe you raise a couple more bucks. You don't have to knock as many doors. Maybe someone does you some favors. But at the end of the day, Look how many, I don't want to say superstars, but just those guys that have and and gals that have that loyal following because people identify with someone who just stands up for what they believe in. Like a Tom, right? And he works his tail off. I'm not saying he doesn't. No, no, he does. Do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. Don't make promises you can't keep. And just like any good business, politics is a lot of referral base. We've built our team by having meet and greets. 
Five couples get together. We talk for five or 10 minutes. Then we socialize for 30 minutes or an hour. They get to know you. A lot yeah. of these are family. So they see you with your kids. I've often said, if you want to know about somebody, look at their kids. Yeah. They're going to tell you a lot. Yeah. Uh, and the next thing you know, three of those couples say, hey, we'll have one. And then we'll have one. Well, you do that for nine months. All of a sudden, you have people who are not only supporters, but they're pretty committed to want to help. Yeah. And, and I think that if you, you can't talk about we the people. Yeah. If your campaign isn't legitimately people first, because you haven't gotten out of the gate and you're already hypocritical. Right. Right. Yeah. So our campaign, we've not spent near the money on mailers or on TV time or, or a number of other areas, but we have hit it so hard face to face talking and yeah. building, you know, those relationships that I think we're sitting in a great place with a really activated and excited group. Yeah, I think it's a more genuine vote too. I think it's a uh, the penetration rate so much better if you can get in front of someone for thirty seconds or a minute and say, "This is what I believe." And and I, I would have to, uh, I would probably say, and you might agree, when I knock doors or when I talk to local, I tell them, "Here's the common sense things." Eighty, ninety percent of people, especially in your district around here, will go, yeah, that makes sense. I'll vote for you. I'm good on that. And we have these weird polarizing minorities. Uh, uh, the minority of people driving this weird nar- narrative like wokeism and all that, like you're talking about, when in fact, most people are like, um, just make sure my job's secure. I'm providing for my family. And hey, government, stay off my back. Don't do anything stupid. Yep. You know, I might need you once in a while for some stuff. And that's where most people are at, I feel. Right. National polling shows that. And it's where we should be. But the reality of it is, is leadership has completely lost the trust and faith of the people. Mm. And so sadly, we live in a time where you can't assume your government's going to do the right thing. Yeah. You know, one of the 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 negative or or I think a positive, depending on how you look at it, is when you build a people network. Yeah. Well, those people hold your feet to the fire. That's true. And they're like, remember when you said? Yeah. And I think that's also good because when you get in the weeds, it's good to have people around you. You know, it kind of takes a village. Yeah. And I think that politically speaking, that's a smart move as well because you have those guardrails in place yeah. so that, you know, as you begin to shift or, or if you were or you, someone were to be mm-hmm. driven to, to kind of change lanes, if you will, you've got a lot of people saying, uh-uh. Remember, this, <laughs> right. is, this is this is where we, we wanted to go. Yeah, keep you This honest. is what you said. I start off every time I have a, a chance to talk with people. I tell them, I want to start off with a, a fresh of breath here. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. If you elect me within the first year, I'm going to do something that's going to thoroughly irritate the crap out of you. <laughs> and, and people <laughs> laugh, okay. right? Yeah. And they're like, well, yeah, no politicians yeah. ever said that before. And, I, and then I turn around and say, my second promise to you is when I do, and you call me on it, yeah. I will talk to you logically, and I'll defend why I took the action. I will yeah. not give you a political two-step. You may yep. not like my answer, but when yeah. you walk away, you're going to go, okay, at least his logic was there. I disagree right. with him, but he was respectful to me. I was respectful to him. And I think that's largely what's missing. And I know where he stands. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I'm either you know a proponent of this person in the future, or I'm going to look and see if there's an alternative that I feel yeah. you know, more strongly about. You know, int- the in- intelligent voters just want you to be honest with them. Be honest with them. And, the, and and I would say most adults can go, okay, yeah, I didn't agree on that one. There's maybe a few hot button issues where, where they would hold a grudge or something, but most of them go, okay, well, he told me that. Right. When he knocked on my door six months ago and now he's in the Senate, he said that and I voted for him and okay, we don't, we don't agree on that one, but the next one coming down the line. Yeah. I like that, you yeah. know? Well, and I always tell people, you know, listen, I can barely make my family five happy every night with what I make for dinner. <laughs> or what movie yeah. you're going to watch. Well, yeah, or, yeah, what makes me think I can make 300 some odd thousand people right. happy with every vote? Yeah. It's, just, it's not realistic. But yeah. I also think that having had that experience in law enforcement, yeah. you're used to the concept of showing up and half the crowd loves you and half hates you. Sure. So that's not a new phenomenon. 
and um, and having to kind of go logically right off the bat and all, always de-escalating. Right. That's kind of what you probably did as an officer as yeah. well. And, and hopefully you're wanting to educate people too. It's not just telling them the law, but it's trying to educate them so that next time they understand how the law could either work for them or against them. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap this up here uh, with the last question, then we'll move into fresh 10. So uh, the election comes, you're in the Senate. What are some of the first things you're looking at? I have loved being assigned to regulatory reform because it's a committee where we talk specifically a lot about the vices. So alcohol, tobacco, cannabis, construction industries. Interesting that construction gets thrown in there. (laughs) All our construction workers. Hey, wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a minute. Um, But it's it's an area where you can undo a lot. And and I've enjoyed that committee quite a bit. So I'm hoping that we've done a good job there and that, you know, Senate leadership would look at us and that would be a healthy spot. Other than that, I believe this way. A good chair can make an average committee great mm-hmm. and a horrible chair can ruin a great <laughs> can, committee. Yeah, can ruin a great, yeah. Right. So yeah. all I want to do is just make sure that I don't let anybody down. Yeah. That good legislation moves through bad legislation is halted and I'm a team player where you need me, put me in. I'm yeah. not, I'm not, again, I'm not holding on to, I have to have this chairmanship of my world's crushed if I don't get it. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. You want to stick around for a few more minutes, play fresh 10 and uh, the uh, audience gets to know a little bit more about you. Are there prizes or I don't know. We might be able to rustle something okay. up for you. We Deal. might have a I'm dead in. man walking hat for you or I'm something. I'm in either way. <laughs> All right, let's go. All right, Fresh 10 with Representative T.C. Clemens. We're going to run through these 10 questions. He does not know what they are, and we're going to get to know him a little bit better. Number one, since you're in politics, who was your favorite president? I'm going to lose a lot of people here, but I am most (laughs) impressed with what Trump was able to accomplish given the landscape that he had to deal with. Yeah. Prior to Trump, it would have been Reagan. Yeah. Uh, but but I, I am very enamored with the way he was able to deal with the landscape in the face of so much opposition. Now, here's the thing. I was not a Trump guy in the primary. I was a Rand Paul or one of those type of guys. But in the very short time that he had, boy, did he get a lot of policy stuff done, didn't he? A lot of policy How stuff. do you do that? Is it such a divided, you know, 10 years ago, they said it'll never be the same as a country. You'll ne- President will never do anything. Got a lot of stuff through. True businessman. <laughs> right. And if you go back and Make look, deal. he was was largely self-made, grew yeah. a lot of his own if you want to argue how he got started. But look back at the last 20, 30 presidents and go, how many have that business experience and how many don't? And I think you begin to see something. Well, he, I mean, he also took 20% of the Democratic Union blue-collar worker with him. They went, oh, no, we see pictures of him out on the construction site and asking questions, and that's us. I don't care what letter's in front of his name. He's one of us. Right. And, it's crazy. And he, he just he spoke yeah. to people in a way they felt like yeah. was genuine. All right, number two, what do you wish you had known 10 years ago? What's something you wish you go, I wish I would have known about that 10 years ago? I, I wish that I had embraced my own spiritual walk a little bit more 10 okay. years ago. Yeah. Um, it's been a really healthy walk for me the last 20 years. But I think that 10, 9, 8 year ago mark, um, really about the time we started having children. Okay. And you see yeah. the blessing of life through a whole different Don't lens you and, though? Perspe- and a whole different yeah. level of responsibility. Um, I think for me, that was it. Yeah, no, that's good. Children are a common grace of God. They'll reflect the relationship you have with the Lord back at you. Absolutely. You know? All right. Number three, uh, what three albums are you taking with you on the deserted island? Wow. Um, anything Lincoln Park. <laughs> Rascal <laughs> Flat's Greatest Hits. Okay. Well, very eclectic. Um, and probably Purple Rain with Prince. Oh, that's good. 
Those are three totally different albums. I like that you're all over the place. Yeah. I'd be in the same boat. Question number four. What properties do you try to buy when you're playing Monopoly? Are you a boardwalk and park place guy? Or do you go for those cheap purple ones? Well, and somewhere my in family gangs up on me. Um, <laughs> no, I'm in between. I think uh, Illinois, Indiana, the Reds. Um, right. I like. Yeah. Uh, I think those there's a lot of nice. value there. And if I'm, if I'm ahead early, I'll go for the greens. But they're a little pricey. So right. Sometimes right. I'll play the orange. You know, yeah. work, work, I'm a Red common man. There you go. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Question number five. Uh, what's a movie that you can watch over and over again and not get tired of it? I have probably watched Hunt for Red October more than any movie ever. That's a good movie. That's a really good movie and a good answer. All right, we're jumping in the DeLorean. We're firing up the flux capacitor. We're going in the time machine. Would you rather go back in time to visit your ancestors or go to the future and visit your great-great-grandchildren? I would go back because there are a ton of thank yous I'd like to say to people for oh, work good. they did yeah. to kind of give me opportunities that yeah. I didn't realize till they were gone and I didn't yeah. have that opportunity. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy how uh, when you're a younger man, you don't really care about the history or the ancestry. And as you grow and mature and you have children, you go, oh, my gosh, standing on shoulders of giants when you start looking at your grandfather and great great grandfather and what they went through and. You know, and just lessons, you know, all of a sudden, you yeah. know, at, at yeah. I'm 53, you know, at 52, something happens. And I think, wow, you know, my FTO at my first police department taught me that. And I'd love to just pick <laughs> right. up the phone and say, hey, Pat, I really appreciate, you know, you doing that. Right. So. Very good. All right. Question number seven, moving right along. What's the best piece of advice someone has ever given you? That's just maybe because stuck you with can you. doesn't mean you should. Just because you can. That's, that's a good saying for government, huh? <laughs> and life. Yeah, really. <laughs> All right. Question number eight, morning person or night person? Where, where are you right. most... I am a midnight monkey. Oh, me too. Yeah, I am. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is, so I get up about four in the morning to get to Lansing. I leave the house about four thirty. Yeah, uh, I, I'm still up till one or two. Yeah, yeah. My, you... my three days a week that I'm in Lansing, I sleep for maybe two, three hours a night. Yeah, but I just I, I love the energy of nine o'clock till one in the morning. What? Me too. It's like you, the creative mojo goes. Let's go. Yeah. yeah, when I should be sleeping. All right. Uh, number nine, what is one thing people would assume about you that just simply isn't true? Mm. Now, this requires a little introspection, a little self-reflection. What's something they would assume about you, you think? I you think, go, hey, that's not true. I think a lot of people would tell you that I'm more confident than I probably really am. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Man, that's a good good answer. He's just getting raw here on the Dead Men Walking well, listen, Podcast. <laughs> All right, ready? Be honest, right? Yeah, absolutely. Question number ten. This is the last one. What is one book outside of the Bible that every person should pick up, take a look at, read through? The Art of War. The Art of War. There it is. Fresh ten with TC Connor. All right, TC, as we wrap up here, why don't you uh, throw out where people can get a hold of you, maybe your social media accounts, and uh, maybe they can get a hold of you and talk to you and see what you're all about. Sure. Easiest way to reach out and learn a little bit more would be www.tc4mi. Okay. That's T-C-F-O-R-M-I.com. Uh, Facebook is TC Clements. Uh, sadly, you're going to run into either a guy wearing a shirt and tie or a guy in a light blue long sleeve shirt. The light blue is the political one. <laughs> the shirt and tie is the personal one. You're welcome to either or both. Right. Um, we're, we're kind of an open book. Um, if someone wants to go to any of those, either send us a message, send us an email, uh, phone number for the campaign, 734-224-3508. Oh, I like that. Uh, this whole thing is to try to be as available yeah. And responsive as we can be. I will caveat it and say we're three weeks out from a primary. I'm <laughs> yeah. stretched as thin, thin as I've yeah. ever been. Yeah. So I would ask for a little bit of grace. It may take a little bit longer to get back with people than normal. Sure. But we'll absolutely do it. Cool. Anything else? Final word before we take off? 
No, you congratulations got on? on your show. Thanks for oh, having well, us. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate you being here. Guys, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you giving us constructive criticism and commenting. Make sure you put those reviews on Apple and Spotify and all those places that you hear or listen to our podcast. We do appreciate it. As always, guys, God bless. Be sure to check us out at dmwpodcast.com where you can purchase the best and snarkiest merch on the internet, support the show, and leave us a review or message. Dead Men Walking can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Dead Men Walking Podcast and on Twitter X at Real DMW Podcast. The Dead Men Walking Podcast is part of the Fight Laugh Feast Network. For exclusive show content, be sure to download the Pub TV app and become a member. If you're a business that needs to reach hundreds of thousands of potential customers in your demographic, podcast advertising might be for you. Send all inquiries to Dead Men Walking Podcast at gmail.com. None your biscuits.